0: From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast, a show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. We're back with another episode, and my guest today is Chip Conley. Uh, Chip is a fascinating uh, leader. He His background is in hospitality. He was a, a hotel entrepreneur for 25 years and then got asked uh, in the early days of Airbnb to be an advisor to their CEO. And he really talks about during that time how he was in his 50s and, and most of the tech workers there were half his age and uh, why he was there. He got this term, the modern elder. So we really go into about The modern elder academy which is a uh midlife wisdom school he started which is fascinating and he runs out of mexico and again i just got so much out of talking to chip and i hope you enjoy the conversation so please welcome chip chip thanks for being on the podcast
1: thank you dan i wish i was in portland with you i wish i was
0: down there yes
1: well yeah exactly Mm. although this is a great time of year to be in portland typically Um, you have it has been a very active time for Portland. Yes, it has. Okay. I, I think Portland's um, brand has continued to live up to its reputation <laughs> as being a rabble rouser. I live part of the time in Austin, Texas, and oh, okay. Austin and Portland have a weird symbiotic cousin-like relationship with each other
0: absolutely that's so funny we it's kind of our our sister weird city right yes, so. exactly exactly <laughs> um so chip i would love to start off um for the folks that don't know much about your background in hospitality as entrepreneur than airbnb uh, i'd love for you to give some background on that and then we'll really dive into how, how i mentioned to you before we recorded how i got exposed to you through yes. the, about the modern elder academy and some of your books
1: I can't believe you used the word expose yourself. Or expose <laughs> yeah, let's, let's edit that out. Let's you're, edit mayor, that out. <laughs> you're a mayor. You're a mayor. Listen, I know a little bit about Portland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I, uh, I'm a, uh, I grew up in Southern California. I went to the Bay Area to go to college and then business school. And then about a couple years out of business school, when I was basically the ripe old age of 25, I wrote a business plan to create a boutique hotel company mm. um, at a time where there really weren't any boutique hotel. Uh, companies in the U.S. Uh, Ian Schrager and Bill Kimpton were really the two people who started it. Now was like three years later. Mm. And I called, the com- I called the company Joie de Vivre, became California's largest independent uh, hotel operator and the second largest boutique hotel in the U.S. Mm. Ran the company for 24 years um, as the CEO, founder and CEO, and uh, grew up to 3,500 employees, wow. 52 boutique hotels, um, all in California. Actually, Portland's an interesting boutique hotel market. You've got some nice ones. It there. is. We do. Um, so, uh, um, oh, my jaw is uh, <laughs> all messed up right now. I did. Ah. <laughs> I um, I then decided to sell the company in the Great Recession, and that was mm. a it was a hard decision because you know as some of the people who are listening in and watching this are understand it to to start a company or to run a company is part of your identity. And the question is how much does that identity shrink you or enlarge you? And what I felt after 22 years of running the company was it was like a straitjacket. It was just, mm. it, I was, I no longer felt like I had much freedom. And it was just because it was it going into a big company and we went through the dot-com bust and 9/11 And then now, you know, five right. years later, Uh, at four years after the end of that period, we went into the great recession. So um, I sold the company at the bottom of the market and I joined Airbnb a couple years later because the three founders of Airbnb approached me and said, we don't know anything about the travel industry or hospitality, or frankly, not a whole lot about leadership or entrepreneurship either. Mm. Will you join us? You can be Brian Chesky, the founder and co-founder and CEO's mentor but you'll also be the head of global hospitality and strategy. So I joined in early 2013. Okay. The comp- company was a fraction of the size it is today, um, tiny fraction. And um, I sort of helped the company with a lot of other great people in the organization too, let's be honest. Um, helped the company move from being a, a, a small millennial tech startup, which is how everybody perceived it, uh, to becoming more of a mainstream global hospitality brand, uh, focusing on all the hosts globally, focusing on the strategy for the company. There are about seven different things I I focused on. And I spent some time in in the Portland offices since we had a major CX presence there, have a major CX presence there, less of one than we used to, but it's Mm. still a significant presence. And um, so I I spent four years full-time in that role. uh, And then I've now spent uh, three and a half years um, still as a strategic advisor to the founders and especially to Brian the CEO.
0: Okay, yeah. And 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 not to interrupt, but I want to go back to kind of the moment when you you sold their company mm-hmm. and you got asked to take this next ro- role with Airbnb, were you hesitant or were you kind of like <laughs> I'm done, not you know you probably obviously got to know them and thought it was going to be an amazing company, but you know where you were like you said you had to felt like gosh, I'm just 23 4 years I need to stop or how how was that?
1: It was hard. Um, You know, I think one of the, and we're gonna talk in a few minutes about the Modern Elder Academy, which I've started. One of the things I've gotten really clear clear on is I've studied life stages and people get very fixed on who they are and what their identity is. And sometimes it relates to their work. Sometimes it relates to other things too. Um, So I was sort of, first of all, from an ego perspective, I was used to being the sage on the stage meaning, you know, meaning the, you know <laughs> it, 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 yes, I had to deal with all of the stresses of running the company, but I was the face of the company. And I went from being the sage on the stage to the guide on the side, um, which meant I was really the person on the sidelines without getting a lot of attention, trying to help the founders and, this, and our senior leadership team, which was a relatively young senior leadership team in the early days, uh, try to make great decisions. And yeah. so I had to right-size my ego. I had to be comfortable about frankly being as much an intern as I was a mentor mm. because I had never worked in a tech company before. So I was 52 <laughs> at that time and I never worked in a tech company before. So there's all this lingo. It's strange that, uh, you know, Brian wanted to be the head of strategy for a tech company. <laughs> I never worked <laughs> in a tech company. Right. What, what is product? I don't understand that word. Um, so long story short is I, I had to turn my fear into curiosity mm. and I had to be willing to, Not be scared about the idea that maybe my successes that I'd had in the past were going to feel like the the newest thing that I did was a failure. If in case I failed, or in case Airbnb failed, so I had to get over that. I had to have what uh, Carol Dweck, a psychologist from Stanford, calls. uh, I'd have a growth mindset. I had to be more open to learning than I was focused on winning. So I was really focused on learning and just improving myself and trying to improve the company, and, but it was hard, and I would tell you about a month into it, I almost ran for the hills, because I realized I was twice the age of the average employee there, and having a guy be my boss, who's 21 years younger than me, it was weird yeah. compared to my background, but I was also his mentor, and that made it even weirder. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was, but at the end of the day, I learned a lot.
0: Yeah, and I know you said a lot of the employees were half your age, and I think I read something, this is where someone called you an elder or and you said you hated that, right? Or, or or what was that? (laughs)
1: They started calling me the modern elder. And I was like, what, what's a modern elder. And the, the premise that they had, you know, this is very succinct now, back then it was just sort of rambling conversations. Basically they said, you're as curious as you are wise. So it's like the elder of the past was revered and there was a traditional hierarchy. You sat at their feet and they just spouted wisdom. That doesn't happen much in the United States anymore. That's for sure. For all kinds of good reasons, frankly, because I, you know, okay, boomer. I mean, we don't need to listen to people (laughs) who just are going to spout wisdom about the past. And it's not to say that there isn't some really good wisdom that would be valuable to hear. Mm -hmm. It's just that, frankly, you got to be, it's not about being, it's not about reverence anymore for the elders. It's about relevance. Mm -hmm. And relevance, that means that you as an elder, and frankly, elder is different than elderly. Elderly (laughs) is the last five or 10 years of your life. Elder just as a relative term. If I'm 52, surrounded by 26-year-olds, which is how it was in early 2013, I was an elder because it's relative. Yeah, right. I was definitely an elder, but I was a modern elder. I was the kind of elder who was as open to being curious and learning as I was to dispensing wisdom. Mm. And what that meant was that I had sort of a fresh energy, and um, I often led with questions as opposed to with proclamations of, you know, here's what the elder has to say. Um, And that was interesting. And that's really what ended up happening. It really solidified my place in the company. And I ended up having over the, over all of these years, over a hundred mentors, it's funny I said that Mm -hmm. I had a hundred mentees, but the relationship was one of mutual mentorship. Mm -hmm. And that's why ultimately I called myself a mentor and a mentor Damn. and an intern at the same time. Think of Robert De Niro with yeah. Anne Hathaway in the movie oh, yeah. The Intern. Yeah, yeah. I, joined as, I joined Airbnb as the mentor of Brian and I became the intern because I didn't understand the business. So I realized with Brian, I had a mutual mentorship relationship. Right. I learned DQ from him, digital intelligence, and he learned EQ from me. Huh. <clears throat> Robert De Niro joined as an intern yeah. and he became the mentor to oh, Anne yeah. Hathaway, who's half his age.
0: So did you feel like that? I mean, getting back to also when you, you said something that really struck me, and I think a lot of people feel this way, and especially now in our, our culture is your identity gets wrapped up and a lot of times work, who you are. So did you feel like it was kind of a rebirth?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> You're a psychologist, Dan. I'm impressed. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yes, it was a rebirth. It was a repurposing. It was... Um, same seed, different soil. Mm. And what that means is that <clears throat> who I was and what I'd learned and the cultivation and harvesting of my wisdom was still there. Yeah, But it, it was in a new environment where it accelerated my learning even further. Um, and that was exciting. It's not for everybody. Yeah, um, Some people just want to coast. They want to just have comfort. They want to have a fixed mindset, which is the opposite of a growth mindset. They want to prove themselves and they want to win. Mm-hmm. The problem over the course of your lifetime is if you, that's what you really want to do, if you want to prove yourself by winning all the time, as you get older, your sandbox gets smaller because mm-hmm. if you're only going to play games that you can win, there are a lot of games that as you get older, you're not going to be as good at. And so what that means is your life gets a little boring and narrow. Yeah. Uh, and so I've lived a life that's quite the opposite of that and um for good and for bad and um i think what it really required me to do was to reimagine was what does it mean to be at my age you know mm. and and the thing is interesting i you know i'm going to turn 60 on halloween and i you know i have almost as much adult life ahead of me as i do behind me and i don't mean that because i am going to live to 120. Right. but i mean it because <clears throat> if you start counting at age 18, which is the adult years. Yeah, I have 42 years behind me. Could I live to 102? I think so. My parents are still living, and they're in, their, in the, going into their mid 80s now, and they have not taken care of themselves <laughs> like I have. And and medical technology, et cetera, is going to be probably good. And this is not true across the full demographic, socioeconomic, demographic of the United States. Um, longevity is quite disparate based upon you know your your circumstances, and especially your race, uh, and, your, and your, how much money you have. But what I can say is like, wow, when at age 60 soon, if I have as many adult years ahead of me as I have behind me, yeah, I'll start learning how to surf, which I've been doing here in Mexico awesome. where I live most of the time. Yes, I'm learning Spanish finally because I learned French in high school and that's what led to me calling my company Joie de vivre, joy of yeah. life. So the idea that you can really rethink what aging means, helps open your eyes to the opportunities that are available to you.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I know we'll get into the modern elder Academy and the makeup of the the students that go there. I'm turning 40 this year. And I feel like even at that age, like there's, I'm hitting that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I know some of the profile people come to modern elder Academy are in their thirties probably. Um, Yeah. New York
1: York times wrote an article about that. There was a front front page Sunday paper uh, business section And I didn't love the article because it made it basically sound like everybody coming here is in their thirties because it made it sound like everybody who's coming here are people from the tech industry who in their thirties feel like they're over the hill. But let's be clear that in certain industries, professional sports, fashion, um, uh, media, advertising, tech, uh, people do feel old often in their mid thirties and in other industries, banking, um, you know, most in the medical profession. Yeah. It's actually still a hierarchical older, you know, power rests with older people. Great. So what led me to doing this? And uh, first of all, I called it the modern elder Academy. We now just call it MEA. Okay. Um, the, the reason that I wanted to do this was because what I had is this epiphany when I started writing this book, wisdom at work, the making of a modern elder, mm-hmm. which is my fifth book. I, got this sense of like, wow, we have rites of passage and rituals for people at, at times in their life when they're going through transitions. Think you know, puberty, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, um, quinceanera, yeah. uh, communion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you, go from, you go from childhood to adulthood, you have a, a commencement ceremony, a graduation. Uh, you're gonna get married, you have a wedding. You're gonna have a baby, you have a baby shower. You die, you have a funeral. But between baby shower and funeral, <laughs> there's not much. And yet, you, <laughs> Midlife, which at, at, at 39, about to turn 40, Dan, <clears throat> you're in midlife. You're in the early part of midlife. Mm-hmm. But midlife has actually stretched. It used to be thought of as 45 to 65. It's now considered potentially uh, 35 to 75, 40 mm-hmm. years long. So this midlife marathon just stretches on forever. And there are a lot of people who need a midlife pit stop. Um, whether it's at 40, 50, or 60, or even 70, <clears throat> because they just need to actually remind themselves why they're here on earth, yeah. how they need to actually maybe make some shifts, repurpose themselves, uh, and have some time to reflect on what it is they want to do with mm-hmm. their one precious life, to quote Mary Oliver, the poet. Mm-hmm. And so I, that is what we did. And I, we opened in early 2018. We did a six, months beta, six month beta program trying two-week programs and one-week programs both. Um, And then we opened to the public in the fall of 2018. We eighteen. We've had 750 alums uh, from 24 countries. We have about maybe 10 alums from Portland. Uh, In fact, I went to a dinner in Portland maybe a year ago with a bunch of Portland alums uh, and just had the best time. Um, So yeah, we do have a a good handful of Portland alums who've come down. And um, more than anything, what it is, is it helps people to shift their mindset on aging. Mm -hmm. And to think about how do you navigate the midlife transitions you have, whether it's an empty nest uh, with, you know, parents whose kids have moved on, a menopause or men have andropause, Mm -hmm. a a career transition that you need to make or you want to make, um, you know, being a sandwich generation, taking care of your kids while you're also taking care of your parents. Uh, There's a lot there. um, and Divorce. Uh, these are the kinds of things that we don't really have rites of passage around. We don't really have, nor do we have a lot of opportunities to get together with a collection of people you don't know, but are going through their stuff, 18 of you in a week and say, wow, (laughs) your story is different than mine, but I totally get it and go through a really structured curriculum, but with lots of experiential things we do, lots of dyad work, lots of being in nature um, and then say, you know what, that person across the room from me, they're so different than me, but I want to go for a walk on the beach with them. Yeah. I'm going to go for a walk on the beach with them after lunch. And then they come back from this this walk, having basically solved each other's problems. Uh, I'll never forget mm-hmm. it. 45-year-old investment banker, retired from New York, six foot four, white guy, mm-hmm. full of money, but not much purpose. Mm-hmm. And then this 62-year-old, a short African-American social worker from Atlanta, tons of purpose, not a lot of money. Mm. They kept walking on the beach every day (laughs) because she had what he needed and he had what she needed Mm. in terms of just having some wisdom. So I believe that wisdom is not uh, taught, it's shared. And so we're the world's first midlife wisdom school uh, specializing in not lifelong learning, but long life learning. How do you develop a life that's as deep as it is long?
0: I, I think during this time, I've been talking to a lot of leaders as most office worker folks are you know, working from home, thinking through this a lot more. Because I, I, you know, I work with a lot of people that are, are between my age and your age, they're, they're executives and just getting a lot of clarity. So I could see that just the explosion for, of interest probably in what you're doing right now are you getting more interest in people wanting to be part of it yeah, or
1: it well it's 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 a mixed bag um the uh when is this but when is this going live by the way yeah uh, next week okay darn <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you the the thing that's being announced the following week okay what i can say is this the demand and need is high mm-hmm. the challenge is we're um basically uh we're an hour north of Cabo San Lucas um, in a beachfront in Mexico, five acre campus, spectacular location. You know, how many people want to jump on a plane right now? First of all, how many people want to actually do travel internationally right now? Second challenge. Um, And then actually for some people, you know, our average age is 54 of people who come here. Um, But if you're 60 or older, like I'm about to be, you're in that class Mm -hmm. where you're like, ah, be careful doing anything because all of a sudden you go from 59 to 60 and like, ah, the world changes. Mm -hmm. So, our demographic has even more cautious to tra- caution to travel. So having said that, you know we have just tons of applications coming in, but we also have some caution. Our normal program is very physically immersive. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, like, are close to each other. And um, so we're, we're actually making a bunch of adaptations right now that are helping us to feel like we're gonna be really smart. If someone wants to make the trip down here, uh, we wanna be really smart about what the experience is here. Right. That makes sure that they're not at risk for uh, COVID.
0: Yeah, no, I can see the challenge in that, but I could, like you said, I it, it's no surprise you're getting a lot of applications, especially yes. during. Yeah, this it's time. been
1: well, it's the first of its kind. There's not really anything like it, and yeah. that's that's for me what's been exciting. You know, i I was an earlier person in the boutique hotel movement. Right. I was, you know, the first person in the travel industry to join Airbnb. Uh, and, and Airbnb was a you know pioneer for home sharing and and so but both of those were for profit ventures and what has been great here is this is a social venture i don 't like, I built the campus you know and don 't return i get no return financially on that i don 't pay myself anything and more than fifty percent of our people are on scholarship uh, so it 's really socio economically diverse twenty five percent of our people have been people of color um, and it 's uh, and you know sixty two percent women. Uh, and 24 different countries. Wow. So, because of that, it's a really fascinating mix. And for me, you know, I've loved making this shift from being the for-profit entrepreneur who finds a consumer needs and fills it, to being a, a social entrepreneur. You find a society need and then you right. fill it. And that's really what we're doing here. And. Yeah. And I'm, I really want to be a catalyst for others to say, I want to create my own version of a midlife wisdom school. Yeah. You know, so hopefully well, we're going to do
0: that. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to the announcement. I'll, we'll wait <laughs> a week after this post. Full, we'll, you know, a f- few more questions, ship to kind of switch. Yeah. And I, I hate asking these types of questions, but I'm going to yes. ask it is what's what do you see the future of travel and hospitality? Like, I, I was listening to, I don't know if you know the podcast, uh, How I Built This. It's on NPR. Yeah. And Brian um, from Airbnb was just, I think he had an episode this week and he was kind of sharing his thoughts, but you know, what, what do you think?
1: Well, here's the part that's interesting. Um, We in the next few years will never be less mobile than we've ever been. We will be more mobile, but the question is how will we be mobile and how will we think of it in some ways we'll probably be a lot more cautious about how we travel um so the process of choosing your travel if it's if it doesn't include a car if it includes a plane we're going to probably be a lot more cautious of that i think that we'll figure out there's actually these i've heard about these these pods you stick on your head and during your whole it's like it's like being a space like being an astronaut (laughs) and and it it, it's supposed to be really good for being in the air no i don't think they're made like fully developed yet but i think stuff like that will happen for sure um but I think there's going to be more caution about you know, what kinds of situations you put yourself in, um, not just related to COVID, but also probably uh, future pandemics. Yeah. I think we get, have l- realized with this pandemic how quickly, how, w- what a small world we are. Yeah. How Walt Disney had it right. We yeah. are a small yeah. world. We are very connected and interconnected. But here's the, here's the hope I have, and I actually think it's a very reasonable hope. Um, the millennial generation really popularized the idea of digital nomads. Mm-hmm. What is a digital nomad? Digital nomad is basically working on the road. Um, they spend, you know, a, a, a season in Bali, then a season in Baja, a season in Boston, and then a season in Austin, and that's their year. Right. They basically live in four different places. Um, the, each In each of these places, the place they're staying is not – a home away from home, it's a home instead of home. Right. Because they actually have chosen not to have a, a primary home, whether it's mm-hmm. an apartment or a, 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 an actual, you know, a condo or, or a single family home. So I think that trend in, in an era where remote work is going to be more acceptable uh, or more, per, more perceived as acceptable, people are going to learn how to work remotely. People, teams are going to work, how, work out how to do it better. I, and I think, you know, I wouldn't want to be an office developer, office <laughs> owner right now. I mean, office building yeah. owner, that'd be a tough business. Yeah. I wouldn't want to have stock in WeWork necessarily. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that the idea that travel is actually going to go away, it may morph. I, um, I'm a big believer in the trend toward extended state travel. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm a long-time hotelier, still own nine hotels, even though I sold the company, still own the real estate of nine hotels. And mm-hmm. so hotels and homes have always been sort of like different and then airbnb came along and said no hotels and homes are the same thing and i think and we saw that there were a lot of digital nomads on airbnb um and airbnb's ability to actually come back from covid right now much better than the hotel industry has is partly because of digital nomads it's partly because people are saying i want to go have a pod in a home and you know i'm going to be there with two friends or my family and we're there for three months. Right. We're there for yeah. three weeks yeah. instead of three nights. And so travel is going to come back. It's just going to come back in a new form. What that, What does that mean? It means, frankly, the, the companies in, that are most flexible are the ones that are going to do the best, which is why the hotel industry is really going to be struggling. Mm. Um, mm. So, so I think the hotel industry will have a hard time. I think other parts of the, the industry will actually do better.
0: Yeah, and I know like Brian even talked about you know, uh, how many people are renting RVs now and how yeah. the, their Airbnb is like, you know, got tons of listings of RVs and uh, everybody. Another looks, form of travel. Yeah.
1: So RVs, yeah, RVs making a come back auto camp, which I'm an investor in, which is a form of hotels, but like, you know, they're, um, what do you call it? Um, Airstreams in really great areas like Yosemite. Huh. Um, yeah. So that that's coming back. Um, so People have an itch to travel it 's going to change, and so I think certain segments of the travel industry are going to come back and maybe do even better, mm. and other segments are going to struggle on that it's, I feel badly for the industry I feel particularly badly in the, the broader hospitality industry for restaurants that 's that 's been decimated you know there's really yeah. there's, there are not many good stories in the restaurant business today in the travel business and hospitality there are some some great stories some you know, everybody wants to go and spend time and drive to New Hampshire this fall and right. stay in a bed and breakfast because like that's what you want to do anyways. But yeah. this year even more, it just yeah. feels like the right thing to do. So yeah, that's my answer.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, just my own family, I have two little kids and we've just been doing a lot of camping, a lot of small trips like that around Oregon. And it's, it's been kind of refreshing. You know, we're not looking to plan the big trip. It's just, you know, these these small trips. So we'll see. Well, as, we, as we wrap up Chip, i know you're kind of a kindred spirit because you live in austin so you, you get portland um yes sounds like you've been here quite a bit you know airbnb does have a presence here you as you've visited over the years what are your thoughts as we've maybe yeah. grown or each time you come here and i mean we uh, haven't yeah yeah
1: I, I love portland um i love portland in the summer <laughs> yeah yeah exactly mostly yeah <laughs> You know, I, I, what do I love about Portland? Um, there's just sort of a pioneering spirit to the place just is, you know, it's a, um, it, it's a place for misfits, Mm -hmm. um, which I love you know, the weird, the weird thing, Austin and Mm -hmm. Portland both have a certain amount of that. Um, I, I really appreciate the downtown. I actually think Portland's done a, a really good job of, of, making a vibrant downtown um, and and having you know relatively good public transit Um, uh, in terms of the entrepreneurial world uh, because there aren't major anchor companies that dominate the portland landscape um, it means and and it's also not a market that's like in the top tier of you know where people want to have an office it's it's a little bit more homegrown, a little more, a slightly more provincial, excuse the the word. Um, And there's an element of collegiality probably because people sort of know they're going to be there a while and they're, they know there's a reason they're in Portland as opposed to, you know, you go to San Francisco because that's where the dot com boom is until there's the Mm -hmm. (laughs) bust. Now, you know what it is, or New York or LA. I mean, people go to those places often for career reasons, right? People choose to go to Portland less for their career often and more for the lifestyle or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's encouraging. It means that people have a little more balanced life Mm -hmm. and, um, the proximity of beautiful green areas, um, the original OG is um, the old growth forest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I I have a friend in Portland who sent me a bumper sticker and says, I love old growth. And I wrote a blog post, I have a blog called Wisdom Well. Yeah. It's on the MEA website. And the blog post was basically, well, old growth. That's what we celebrate here at Modern Elder Academy. (laughs) It's also what you celebrate in Oregon.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on. We just have this certain spirit. And like you said, most people move here because of really the lifestyle. And that's hurt us in like the business sense sometimes because we don't have those big anchor companies. It can be hard to attract them. But overall, I think it makes it a better place. But we're we're seeing some growth, especially in the tech community. So this threw a little bit of curveball, but you Know mm-hmm. we'll continue on so well, Chip. Really appreciate it. I like Damien yeah.
1: Lillard. I mean, oh, he's, good. <laughs> he's said, he's a, he's he's when he's hot, he's really hot, yeah. And, Trailblazers. He, yes. and he's
0: been doing really well now. Yes. And he and what we love about uh Damien, you know, he's from Oakland and he's kind of got a yeah. chip on his shoulder.
1: Oh, he, does. he and does. I love
0: that, and we love that.
1: So, no, he's great. You know, he, he, Portland has Clyde Drexler, It was a long history. So, you know, yeah. um, all right, well. Thank you. This has been a joy uh, and thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Chip.
0: The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.